0: You're listening to What Mad Universe on the HyperX Podcast Network. Check out all our shows on podcast.hyperx.com. Content warning. Mental illness, ableism, body dysmorphism, torture, anti-Semitism, racism, and detrimental radiation. Action. Excitement. Horror. Romance. thrills and chills. Swords and sorcery. Rockets and ray guns. A dizzying panoply of the strange and impossible from the darkest depths of the human imagination. What mad universe encompasses such tales as these? Join us as we bear witness to the sweeping sprawl of all the history that never was and all the futures that could yet be. It's adventure as you like it on. What? What? Mad universe! Perhaps my parents never realized the puns that would be made on my name when they christened me Richard Sharpshaver. Under ordinary circumstances the puns would have been of little consequence, but because of the amazing fact of my amazing memory of the life of another person, long dead, it has been incredibly hard for me to speak convincingly and to make people believe in me. Invariably I get that oh-so-funny remark, Sharpshaver, eh? A regular cut-up, eh, kid? Accompanied by a sly dig in the ribs and a very stupid, get it? How can a man get a serious audience after that? And yet, there it is for all who wish, to pun and pun again. If I achieve nothing else, at least you may laugh. And to laugh is to be physically and mentally healthy. For those of you who will read on and carefully weigh what I am about to tell you, I am convinced there will be no thought of puns. Instead, when you consider the real truths behind what I say, and even better, experiment and study to corroborate them, it seems to me inevitable that you will forget that I am Richard Sharp Shaver, and instead am what science chooses to very vaguely define as the racial memory receptacle of a man, or should I say a being, named Mutan Mayon, who lived many thousands of years ago in Sub-Atlan, one of the great cities of ancient Lemuria. I myself cannot explain it. I only know that I remember Lemuria. I'm Adam Prosser. With me as always is Philip Rice. Hello. Hello. Um, we've dealt uh, a few times on this show with uh, stuff that had a bit of an impact beyond just being popular science fiction and influence the real world in one way or another. Um, but uh, today we're going to look at something that has definitely had an impact and not really for the better in most ways. Uh, I don't think
1: at all, but.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, it's a, that's a, it's a philosophical argument you can have about whether, uh, you know, something this strange uh, injected into pop culture had any, you know, long-term beneficial effects. But uh, one way or the other, we'll be looking at the Shaver mysteries by Richard Sharp Shaver. And uh, we'll be right back after this. New this April from HyperX, it's the HyperX Clutch Controller. Get better control of your mobile gaming with its comfortable grip, directional pad, analog sticks, and shoulder buttons. This versatile controller can fit a variety of phone widths, and can also connect wirelessly for use on tablets and PCs. Learn more and pick one up online at HyperXNHP.com, Amazon, Micro Center, Target, Best Buy, and other fine retailers. Video Death Loop is the show where we watch a short video clip on loop until we just can't take it anymore. Along the way, we'll try our best to make each other laugh and to hold out longer than the other guy. Come in on any episode. Video Death Loop, new episodes every Friday. Okay, and we're back. All right, so I want to ask uh, at the beginning of this episode, uh, Philip, what would you say is the worst thing we've read so far for what Mad Universe that you've read?
1: Um, hmm, that's a that's a tough one. I would. Uh, I didn't read it for the podcast, but Varney the Vampire. Uh, ah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we talked about that in Vampire City, so that yeah. could uh, that could qualify. There's the. Uh, I suppose you could argue for the Chuck Tingle books, but of course they're. Uh, you know that they're sort of tongue-in-cheek about that, so it's not and, really.
1: And they're not that bad.
0: They're sort of bad on purpose, is what you would describe. It was how I would describe it.
1: There's a lot of fun elements to them. I didn't not enjoy reading reading them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's right. see. Well, uh,
0: well. Uh, let's say the nictalope. Then that might have been one of the
1: worst. Yeah, Nyctalope's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Let's let's say the nictalope. Well, I'm here to tell you, uh, the Shaver Mysteries are quite a bit worse. Uh, I, they are.
1: I would imagine so. <laughs>
0: yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, absolutely. With no uh, no competition, the worst thing I've read for this podcast. Uh, they're barely literate honestly um <laughs> let's uh, let, so let's get into this a little bit um richard sharp shaver uh he was an industrial welder um uh, he experienced a workplace accident in 1932 uh and he began to experience strange events his accounts were somewhat inconsistent uh, but he claimed that his welding gun started to l- let him hear the thoughts of people around him, and then telepathic reports of a race of subterranean monsters who were kidnapping Earth people and dragging them down to the underworld to torture them. Uh, he also started to recover memories, as indicated in that passage I read, of a previous life he'd lived in an ancient lost interstellar civilization of Mu, which explained the origins of the monstrous Deros. Those are the the creatures that were kidnapping people. Um, And um, to be clear, Richard Sharpshaver was a pulp writer. He had stuff uh, written and published in the 30s. Um, so what I tell you, you know, some of the things you'll hear about him uh, may be uh, skew a bit in the idea in a different direction that he wasn't really a writer, but he was. Um, and then what happened is that um, Ray Palmer, who was the uh, editor of Amazing Stories, um
1: and the to... namesake for uh the silver age Adam, who was right. named after him because he was short.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, is that like so it was that's it? That's that's the that's the explanation for it? Yeah, is yeah,
1: it... yeah. The real Ray Palmer was a short guy, so the Adam who can shrink down to an inch tall or whatever mm-hmm. um is uh yeah.
0: Oh okay but um yeah so but he was a huge uh, sci-fi fan uh, he wrote and published some stuff he took over the editorship of amazing stories in 1938 he was a um uh you know he he was very enthusiastic about it amazing stories was actually founded by hugo gernsback who is a very significant figure in science fiction and pulp sci-fi the hugo award is named after him uh but the Uh, For about a decade, it had been uh, sputtering, the the magazine, and it had a very low readership. So they kind of tossed it over to this, uh, at the time, pretty young, untried science fiction enthusiast uh, to edit. And um, he started reshaping it in ways that would appeal more to teenagers, uh, was the idea, apparently, which he had recently been. Um, And uh, through a a variety of things, including eventually The Shaver Mysteries, uh, but a few, one or two other you know, editorial choices. He eventually built up uh, actually a huge uh, fan base for Amazing Stories over the next decade or two. Um, and um, Richard Sharp Shaver is part of the reason for that. That became a big focus of the story. And it needs to be said that um, Palmer is in many ways the author of the stories as much as uh, Shaver was. Uh, the story goes that um, Palmer basically uh, that, that uh, Shaver wrote in a, a letter uh, detailing the information about the, the lore, as you will, if you will, about this lost civilization of Lemuria, uh, subterranean kidnapping monsters, evil rays that were causing pain and, and strife among earth people. Um, and, as I understand it, it didn't really have a, a story. It was just him talking about this stuff and talking about how it was happening to him. Um, and um, an ed- another editor, I believe his name was Harold Brown, uh, had you know written a bit, read a bit of it and thrown it in the garbage because it sounded like it was from a crackpot, even though, as I said, Shaver had been published in other writers. That's probably why they opened it in the first place. Um, and uh, Palmer, for reasons nobody seems very clear on, picked it out of the garbage... Uh, Thought it was interesting and heavily rewrote it to give it more of a story and make it more of a pulp adventure sci-fi story, Um, and uh, that with the uh, the framing device that Mutan Mayon, uh, that Shaver was Mutan Mayon uh, recalling memories of his past life uh, when he was a member of Atlantis, and uh, basically hanging a plot sort of about a sort of a revolution in this uh, Protean ancient ancient civilization. Uh, and uh, it was a huge hit, and uh, for a little while, The uh, the Amazing Stories was dominated by these Shaver stories. Um, and this was, um, what's interesting, that was 1948 when that was published, and what's interesting is that um, the uh, Flying Saucer craze took over uh, America, and uh, Palmer started to integrate it with the Flying Saucer craze, uh, and all of these different ideas started merging together, and it became this... This mythos that became uh, pretty well known to most people by now, uh, as um, you know, the, the basis of various conspiracy theories that we still hear to this day: um, flying saucers, subterranean stuff, and ancient civilizations from beyond recorded history, essentially, which, uh, uh, in Shaver's conception, were interstellar uh, civilizations. You know, Mu was kind of a, a waypost for a race of beings called Atlans and Titans. He's not totally clear on the the difference between them. And there's also the Nor. Um, again, I don't really understand what the difference is, but they're are these uh, super powered, super intelligent, uber uh, mentioned beings um, who existed in ancient ancient times. Uh, we'll get into the whole mythology of it in a bit, but. Um, Anyway, it was, uh, Shaver continued to insist that it was real through the entire time. And, um, Philip, you've had, uh, so you knew about this uh, a little bit in the past as well already before we started writing this.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, years and years ago. Uh, in uh, university, I started a, uh, an art project uh, uh, sort of cataloging uh, the various um, uh, aliens that people believed in. Um, you know the your classics, the grays, the reptilians but I started getting into really obscure stuff and I was uh, came across the uh, the Darrows from the shaver mystery and sort of read a bunch of the mythology the actual um, stories I never actually read uh, I deliberately didn't uh, one I, I figured they'd be bad and looks like I was right and also it just seemed kind of skeevy it seemed like Ray Palmer was Taking advantage of this possibly schizophrenic man,
0: right? So that is yeah, that is a that is a major point about this. Uh, quite a few people have said you know what he writes about here shows many of the hallmarks of paranoid schizophrenia. Um, but again, he was a writer. Let's not let's not completely. Uh, put it aside. Um, um, it seemed like he was sincere when he, uh, he described this as something that really happened to him that he really remembered. Um, uh, yeah, as I say, like the way he describes it, it does sound like he may have had some, some, uh, some mental illness, unfortunately. And once they were published, uh, in amazing stories, Part of the appeal was that they immediately started getting letters in from people who started writing about how, oh, yes, this is true. Oh, yeah. In particular, the idea of uh, rays that uh, could either benefit or more more often um, uh, cause problems, everything from, you know, physical pains to bad luck to, uh, you know, uh, uh, an, an inability to think properly, um, co- being caused by rays and radiation. Uh, that really struck a chord with people. Yeah, I,
1: I actually have a, I have a small list of some of these rays, if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Um, the uh, penetray, a uh, vision ray that can look through solid rock, and so that's how they see everything that's happening on Earth. The uh, Oh, they have uh, the telesolitograph, uh, machines that can... Create solid illusions, dreams, and compulsions, uh, and rays that can cloud human thought. Uh, a telepathic augmenter or uh, telog, short for telepathic augmentative, augmentative device, which allows them to read and direct human thought. They also have stim machines, which revitalize sex, and um, they um, uh, can, a long form exposure to these can deform their bodies, so most of the daros are actually. Uh, deformed in some ways because of their uh, addiction to stim rays. Um, And there are ben rays which can heal and restore the body um, and also restore lost energy after an orgy or whatever. Um, And they actually use these for torture purposes, uh, keeping victims alive uh, throughout torture. Uh, So like torture them, then heal them up so they're, they're fine again, and then torture them again.
0: Right. He also writes actually about, uh, pleasure arrays that, uh, that were used, uh, that were turned on, but like people would basically, and it was, you'd, you die of pleasure and it was a weird form of torture that, that they would use. Uh,
1: there's also, uh, accounts, uh, that include a woman whose breasts are given a growth, uh, growth stimulation, which makes them as large and, which makes them large and able to give milk like a cow, uh, a human slave woman who had three-foot pubic hair due to Stim constantly focused on her master's genitals during sex, Um, and a a time loop used as torture, forcing a man to live through several iterations of 1956. So I guess this predicted Groundhog Day.
0: (laughs) The worst year ever that ever (laughs) occurred. Um, Yeah, uh, there yeah, (laughs) there is both a strong element of sadomasochism and uh some definitely fetishy sounding stuff um that uh the 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 stories i read so i only read a couple i could, i i only read a couple of the stories there's a lot of them and um some of them were published in uh you know pulp uh, story pulp, like old half century old pulp story uh, pulp magazines that probably ended up in landfill somewhere um so it it's not uh that easy to get hold of it but also is it worth it, is the question. Uh, so I've no, only read... The answer is no. <laughs> so I only read a couple of the stories, per se. Uh, the the key one is I Remember Lemuria. But it does sound like, yeah, there was definitely some um, very weird sex stuff that it got into uh, in, in the later stories. Um, and actually, uh, and again, there, there's sort of a, of a set of masochistic stuff. There's some fetishy stuff. Yeah. Um, he uh, he he does talk about how the the Muton Mayon, who's the protagonist, who is also Shaver's past self, uh, had a girlfriend who was uh, uh, violet skinned, had a horse's tail and hooves. So there's a bit of a and and he talks about how there are these as he calls them veriforms, uh, partly just from alien races, but also you can you know you can change your body to be whatever you want it to be in, in this, in this uh, extra galactic civilization that existed in the past. So there's people with all kinds of sort of augmented and, and, you know, animal parts and so on, things that are things that are, uh, that are sort of fanciful. And so it has a bit of a whiff of the of furries, <laughs> if you like. Um, yeah, definitely some, and the big thing, and this is actually a big part of the story uh, thematically uh, is gi- giganticism. Um, he, he wrote about how, um, when, it, it, when everything's functioning properly in, in this, uh, you know, again, Edenic civilization that spanned the stars, uh, people just continue to grow through their entire life as they gain knowledge. And they, they're basically immortal. So they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. So like, the main Mutan Mayan, after a few stories, uh, is, like, 2,000 years old, and he's 50 feet tall, I think he says, um, as is Arl, his girlfriend. Um, like, he starts out as, apparently, he's a clone who was just uh, created to do, you know, basic work, but shows himself to be particularly smart and interesting, and he's, uh, he's elevated by the... Eventually, they're just called gods, but the great titans and the great uh, Atlans... Uh, sort of pluck him out of obscurity and, and realize his potential and and elevate him up to uh, to a level of importance. And uh, later he starts visiting Earth. And of course, they're seen as gods when they visit Earth. They're seen as titans. By uh, the later stories that I read, they're, he's basically just flat out writing stories about, and that's why mythology is the way <laughs> it is. He he actually encounters a race of um, the, uh, the, literally called the Aesir, and they're led by Odin, and they're the Norse gods essentially. And their villain is is Loki. Uh, and then in the same story, we learn that one of the the evil uh, of the t- evil titans, one of the evil uh, great beings, uh, is uh, Sathanas, and he literally has devil horns and hooves and bat wings and he is the devil and he's like with with very little <laughs> elaboration and again there's there's augmented stuff so it's set up but it's very just like oh yeah the devil was this dude that we fought a few thousand years ago uh and it passed into our mythology with very little uh the only the only thing that got changed is that we didn't the humans stopped understanding the scientific principles behind it and it be and he just became a a you know a story of good versus evil uh he's not only is he named Sethanus, but he's from the planet satana (laughs) (laughs) so it's kind of uh gilding the lily there a bit um
1: not even planet hell
0: yeah no no not (laughs) planet hell well he is one of the order of an order of titans known as the angles Uh, (laughs) yeah exactly um so uh not subtle there um and uh so yeah, it's it's that kind of, uh, that idea of just like, oh yeah, all of our mythology is just de- de- describing events that occurred in kind of a scientific, um, and kind of a science fiction-y setting, basically. Um, I want to read, just to give you a sense here, uh, this is really bad writing, uh, and I want to give you, um, I want to read a section here just to, uh, to give you a sense of just how bad it is, um... So thinking, Druga walked beside her vital beauty, noting the deep lagoons of her eyes upon him. Curious, blue as the sea, shaded by long lashes of dusky amber shielding from him some deep wisdom that she must keep from him just yet. Try as he might, he could not plumb the swirling depths within her mind. Reach as he would, he could find there nothing to read but pictured vastnesses of strange beauty and violet passions strongly withheld, nooks and crannies of mysterious unreadable thought far beyond his understanding to interpret. His senses turned away from the inner mysterious glory of her mind, and his eyes came to rest on her lips, crimson arches, arches, riper than tropic flowers, moist as with desire, wide and capable and smiling upon him with a woman's will to captivate twinkling all along the crimson outline of her smile. Behind her lips all teeth gleamed, almost avid, parted in a hunger that he did not then care to understand... Her breasts were ripe and full beneath the blue shielding robe. Her waist, a column of cunningly tapered ivory, rounding into hips and thighs of masterful curves, moving with mysterious woman magic beneath the vaguely transparent shimmer of her robe. Like it's just yeah, all that's, like that's, that.
1: Um, that's I of Argon <laughs> level writing. It's
0: really bad. So, like I say, and and like I say, so this this seems to be um, Ray Palmer's writing to a degree as well as um as well as shavers but i mean again shaver was sort of telling people here's what i experienced and palmer was turning it into a pulp story um and again i don't know what else palmer had written so i can't say you know whether it was good or bad so it's hard to say whose fault it was but the general consensus is that the stuff that was produced in amazing stories was not good quality um our 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 pal harlan ellison uh when he was quite, he was quite young at the time, of course, uh, he was a teenage science fiction fan. And he, um, he, he, he started his, in his own little way, a a crusade against, uh, the Shaver mysteries because he felt, um, partly he felt it was very skeevy, as you said, and dishonest, but also he just said they're really terrible stories. And, and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a, garbage maven this palmer and he's he's just cashing in but because the 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 amazing stories became very very uh popular they were on every you know newsstand for a while um there was a bit of a fad for the shaver mysteries but um even after they went away there were other things and palmer branched out into other ways um apparently it was so popular they started shaver mystery clubs um so that was a thing in the late 40s and the early 50s. People starting shaver mystery clubs to talk about how they'd encountered the Daros and the the taros and subterranean races and remembered past lives. It's unclear to me to what degree that was, you know, real and not just tongue in cheek. But because uh, I haven't been able to find much evidence, much uh, much about them. But um, they did exist for a while. Apparently, it was a thing. Um, so we'll be back to talk more about. Subterranean Mutants and Flying Saucers, right after this. For every episode of No More Whoppers that you listen to, we will send you a 25 cent coupon for participating
1: Krogers. How many Krogers are participating? None, but you're still getting the coupon. And it's like 25 cents in 1985 dollars. Right, so today that's like 28 cents. No More Whoppers. Take that to the bank and smoke it. On the HyperX Podcast Network and NoMoreWhoppers.com.
0: Make room for huge plays with the HyperX Alloy Origin 65 Mechanical Gaming Keyboard and the Pulsefire Haste Wireless Mouse. The Alloy Origin 65 has a functionally compact 4 factor, keeping the arrow keys without the pad and function keys. Pulsefire Haste is the lightest wireless mouse from HyperX, featuring a robust connection, up to 100 hours of battery life, and is even water resistant. The Alloy Origin 65 and Pulsefire Haste Wireless keep your setup clean and clutter free with the Alloy Origin 65 mechanical keyboard and the Pulsefire Haste wireless mouse.
1: I have a bunch written out from my old yeah. research. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so as yeah. you said, um, people were giants in the old days. Uh, the information I have, and again, this is, this is like second-hand, third-hand, so um, I haven't read the, originals, the original sources, so I can't confirm any of this, but this is sort of the, the information that I gathered. Um, the um, Atlans lived on Atlantis and the Titans on Lemuria, and they were... Um, Extraterrestrial races who colonized uh, earth, ancient earth uh, they grew to they lived long lives and grew to uh, 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 Heights of 50 feet or more uh, Because of the integrative or positive energy from the Sun, but then the Sun changed mm-hmm. and started casting out detrimental or negative energy um, Which started causing uh, aging and mortality and uh, the Elders built caverns underground to shield the 50 billion of them, but it failed. Uh, they fled to other stars, leaving the population behind that had succumbed to the detrimental radi- radiation. Um, some went to the surface and became humans. Others became stupid and evil Daros, which stands for detrimental robots.
0: Yeah, detrimental robots. And they're the taros not, are not actually robots.
1: Right. That's just like they're, they're um, powered by the detrimental rays or like that controls right. them. That's the idea.
0: Yeah, he even and, has a footnote, actually, where he says, I don't really understand the con- the context in which Shaver is using robots, because they're <laughs> organic beings. But apparently that's how it was used in Mu or whatever. So,
1: yeah. yeah, and others had su- uh, hadn't succumbed but stayed on Earth anyway, and they became the Taros. Mm-hmm. Though they're not giants, apparently. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, so that that's sort of the the basic lore behind Shaver stuff. Uh, obviously, um, as you said, uh, it got picked up by others and it spread into conspiracy theory circles. Uh, some guy uh, named Dr. Uh, Malachi Zed York, um, I have no idea who this person is, but he's quoted a lot on these websites uh, regarding the Darrow's. Uh, he said they're called, uh, um, their actual name is the... Uh, uh, Samu, Samunian, Samunian, mm-hmm. or the obese ones, and, uh, uh, their chief is, uh, Yabahan. Um, they're born from, uh, by hatching from eggs that are four to six feet in diameter. They grow to seven feet and are extremely obese. They have two stomachs and their digestive system is the same as that of a cow. Uh, they have no fingernails toenails nipples navel or rectum their eyes are silver gray and they glow in the dark they have blonde eyebrows and a pinkish gray skin uh, skin color much like the corpse of a caucasian and a pig um, having not been exposed to the uh, inner or outer sun um, other than their eyebrows they have no hair on their bodies because of its disease. well um I guess the however you pronounce the disease that makes you lose your hair, I
0: can't Alopecia. pronounce that.
1: yeah, yeah, uh, no, it, it's uh, tricho oh, I don't know. Oh, I'm and not they're sure responsible of that. for the diseases. Uh, uh, they have no teeth, their mouth appears to be full of gummy, slimy substance. Uh, their noses are a long trunk-like uh, appendage uh, similar to that of an elephant.
0: Yeah, I will say for Shaver and and or Palmer is that they were uh, they were very good at evoking the grotesque and the horrific. They they're they're pretty effective horror stories sometimes. Uh, that's the like again, if you can get past the bad writing, which doesn't prove a little bit in the later stories. It's not quite the, that bit I read is from the first story, and they they maybe get a little better as they go, but they're still pretty bad. Um, but yeah, there, there's some really as I say, there's like sadistic stuff uh, about torture and so on and you know people's brains being you know taken over and and you know pleasure pleasure rays that are used to torture because people die of pleasure and uh, things like that like it's um again you don't want to pass judgment but again if 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 a shaver was mentally ill you know there's definitely uh there's definitely a reflection of that in some of the story um and, and again, it was picked up by so many different people. Um, there's an article f- written in 1983 in the Fortian Times by John A. Keel called The Man Who Invented Flying Saucers, which is um, uh, kind of crucial to um, the uh, – uh, like I'm, I'm drawing from this a lot in this episode. Um, and um, people were actually concerned at the time that there were a lot of people – you know, uh, taking all this seriously and that it was causing, you know, massive stereo or, or that it was not healthy basically for people to be fixating on it. Here's a, here's a letter that was written in uh, from army Lieutenant Ellis L Lyon in the September 1946 issue. Um, what I am worried about is that there are a few and perhaps quite large number of readers who may accept the Shaver mystery as being founded on fact, even as Orson Welles put across his invasion from Mars via radio some years ago. It is, of course, impossible for the reader to sift out in your discussions and reader comment features, which are actually letters from readers and which are credited to an amazing story staff writer whipped up to keep alive interest in your fictional theories. However, if the letters are generally the work of readers, it is distressing to see the reaction you have caused in their muddled brains. I refer to the letters from people who have, quote, seen the exhaust trails of rocket ships or felt the influence of radiations from underground sources. So that is definitely something people were concerned about. Um, It's also worth noting, you you mentioned uh, the sun. Uh, That is a huge part of the stories. The idea that solar radiation is bad and it makes you... Like age and die, which is actually sort of correct <laughs> you, you do it, it does cause you to age the sun's radiation um, and that um but also that it it makes you degenerate and and turns you uh, like stupider and evil, even like people do bad things because they're too exposed to solar radiation that's the plot of the first story is they realize that there's become this evil conspiracy of elder Titans who have been exposed to too much solar radiation. It's made them evil and, uh, you know, they have to escape from earth, which they call Mu at that point and uh, get, get to outer space. And that's the only way to, uh, to, imp- to, uh, to save yourself from the, the effects of solar radiation. But that he comes back to that, even whenever uh, Mutan Mayon visits earth, he's like, uh, he makes bad decisions because he's under the, Influence of the the solar radiation, which uh, which is something that happens to a star as it ages, supposedly. Um, it again, it, you know, it's the it, it, there's the bad rays, but there's also the sun itself is apparently bad. The degenerate sun, they call it at one point. And the uh, I did you did you hear about the Nors, who are the people who live on the dark planets? Is
1: that part um, of the- yeah, vaguely. Uh, I have the Nortan. I, I have it as. Right, the race that distrusts suns and lives on dark worlds, lit and warmed by artificial means.
0: Right, and those guys are the those are like the the again the wise elders. Again, I I don't he's not very clear on the difference between the Atlans, the Titans, and the Nor the Nortan, um, or or the Nor as they're known in the singular, I guess. Um, he does describe them as being like because they live in a dark planet with no sun. Uh, as being incredibly pale, white, having like palest possible hair and so on. Uh, and you know, very smooth skin again, no, no rays from the sun. And that's, so that those are, you know, those are, those are the, the great wise ones, the people who live on dark rocks, far, far from any sun. Uh, that's the only, that's the only way to keep your, your, uh, your sanity in this, in this universe, apparently. Um. It's very strange that that's, you know, like, like that feels like, oh, wow, there must be evil. And he, it's kind of interesting that he makes that into the, you know, the symbol of good if you live in a dark planet and the sun is bad. So again, it's it's this very strange sort of fear of the sun.
1: <laughs> My understanding is uh, the the lore behind it, the uh, Daros have degenerated into stupid and evil, uh, but they have access to the ancient's technology, so... They don't know how to how it works. They just you know know how to fun how to um, operate them.
0: Yeah, what he says is that um, it, he calls it mech. We would call it tech. He calls it mech, as in <laughs> mechanical things. Um, but it's uh, it's something basically uh, races uh, evolve or are seeded. Again, he's very vague about it uh, by the Titans and the Atlans on planets. They evolve. They become powerful and then they have to escape the sun and they leave behind this the uh, advanced technology for others to discover, supposedly. Um and but, you know, that does mean that the the Daros, uh, who have been affected negatively by the solar radiation will get hold of the uh technology. And there's a whole passage in one of the stories where mutant Mayan, who's always very reverent and worshipful to the Nortans and the and the Titans, and he's he sort of says, oh, they're the wise elders. They know what they're doing. I'm, you know, I'm a youngster compared to them. I shouldn't challenge their wisdom. But it seems very strange to me that they leave this mech behind where these evil beings can get hold of it and use it for evil, which they do. Um, you know, they, they it, 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 the, the, the Nortons are kind of lackadaisical about, the other uh, entities that exist in the universe who could use their help. They just kind of, uh, they just kind of wait for people to come to them and escape the suns. Meanwhile, the Darrow's are doing all kinds of horrible things with this leftover technology. Uh, yeah, My
1: understanding is like, it's not just like the weird sadomasochistic stuff, but like every time you like you're hammering a nail and you bump your finger, it's because they sent a ray to, to, you know, move your move your hand an inch to the left or whatever. Um, <laughs> yep. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Like, they, they, everything bad is because the Darrow's Rays are
0: doing it. Yep. Because Which really exactly ties right. into
1: the, the idea that it's paranoid schizophrenia. You know, it's a mm-hmm. unifying explanation for everything that goes wrong.
0: Right. And, um, yeah, that's exactly it. There's a, there's a certain uh, obsession with, like, perfection and versus degradation in the story. So it's like if you can get away from the sun and live with the Nortons and you grow to huge sizes and you're perfect and your brain power and the older you get, the smarter you are and the bigger you are and the further from the sun you are, those are all tied together. And, um, so like if anything goes wrong, it's because of the sun's radiation and it's because of the Daros who are created by the sun's radiation and their evil technology. So like, it's, you know, like nothing is ever just allowed to happen randomly. It's always, it's always caused by you know, like either you've stri- striven for the perfection of the Nortans or you've fallen into the you know squalor of the Daros, basically and it, it nothing ever just happens it's all it's all it's all the the fault of these uh, these rays and, and the, the vagaries of chance basically and yeah as you
1: yeah which is uh, part of the, the comforting uh, aspect of conspiratorial thinking you know there's there's a reason for everything bad happening. There's something to fight against, at least in theory. Like, if it's just random, cha- like, just bad things sometimes happen, that's sometimes scarier than uh, being able to put a face on it.
0: Right. That was that was probably a big part of what was appealing about about this and how it sort of started to link up conspiracy theories in a way that maybe they hadn't been up till that point. Uh, it's the idea that, yeah, there's a sinister force behind everything. Um, this isn't... I mean, except for some disturbing stuff, uh, this maybe isn't as dark and and you know, um, mis- misanthropic as some uh, as some conspiracy theories get. Um, you know, but it, it, like it, it it does focus. And again, maybe this is Palmer's influence. The stories do focus more on the super beings from from outer space who are fighting to help people, and it's heroic and it's a pulp story like that. Um, but you know the villains are very villainous and they're very evil and they again they 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 happen because of the sun they're sort of inevitable in a sense um i i actually want to talk a bit about um flying saucers because they are uh they are tied in with this to a degree there's a bit of uh confusion because palmer is heavily involved in sort of bolstering this the uh, the myth of the flying saucers again this is um This is what Keel was writing about in that article. Um, He, um, in, in, I believe it was 1946. uh, There was a guy named uh, Kenneth Arnold, who was a, sorry, 47, June 24th, 1947. Um, In Mount Rainier, uh, uh, in Mount Rainier, uh, this, uh, a a, a pilot named Kenneth Arnold uh, saw what he claimed to be flying saucers, basically. And, um, Apparently, the same people who had been following the Shaver mysteries uh, kind of uh, sent in links to that and said, "Oh, yeah, this is tied in with the you know the stuff you're writing about." So Shaver started to to link it to that, and he started pursuing the uh, you know the flying saucer. As you may or may not know, there was a huge uh, almost a fad in the late 40s and early 50s for seeing flying saucers it never totally went away but for a while everyone was claiming to see flying saucers and it became a huge uh pop culture element of course any movie of the early 50s that you watch is going to talk about how the flying saucers are coming from outer space and that became the default uh shape for science for evil uh alien (laughs) spaceships for a while uh, such as you know, the Saucer from Outer Space and Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Uh, the The Thing from Another World. The original version of The Thing uh, has it as a flying saucer. You know, that was just the default. Uh, and, and it was the if you've ever seen The Thing from Another World, which is kind of a good movie, actually. Um, even though everyone likes the the John Carpenter adaptation that came later, um, they do talk about the flying saucer as just like, oh, we finally found a flying saucer. Like it was inevitable that they would one day find a flying saucer uh, when they when they find the crashed one in the Arctic.
1: Uh, My understanding is uh, Arnold, uh, his actual description of the flying saucer was that it was triangular shaped, but that it moved like a saucer if you skip it across the water. But the Mm. phrase flying saucer got picked up and people started imagining it as, you know, saucer shaped. So it's um, the whole thing came out from just somebody writing it down in a Misleading way, yeah. Accident.
0: It, well, it, here's the thing. Um, uh, by only a few years later, uh, Palmer had or er, uh, had started another magazine called Fate, and there was an article in it by Kenneth Arnold called "The Truth About Flying Saucers." So like he had embraced the the saucer idea himself by that point maybe now i guess you could argue he was saying flying saucers because everyone were caught call, was calling them flying saucers by that point and he was maybe maybe i haven't read the article maybe he goes no 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 they're not saucers they're triangular and so forth uh, but i mean that was definitely like the the, the, the cover which i can see right here uh, very clearly shows saucers <laughs> so um, there's yeah you're right there, there's there was some back and forth about oh, no, no, I didn't mean for them to be saucers, uh, but that's just how they got picked up in popular imagination. And again, Palmer really uh, leapt into it with both feet and promoted it. Um, it might have sort of faded, people say, from view, uh, except Palmer really hyped it, and it, you know, it sort of settled into pop culture from the, in that, uh, that regard. And he did, and it, so like I say, the, the, the Flying Saucers do show up in the Shaver Mysteries, but they, they became linked through Palmer. Uh, because he was the shaver mysteries and he was the flying saucers guy and they you know he would say anything or you know he'd put whatever was selling in his magazines and they they'd all kind of get linked together and as i say there was a there was a lively reader comment section going on in that book um in that uh magazine so people were going back and forth and, and sharing stories about what may or may not be real and of course it all spilled into each other as as some people have pointed out with some of the nastier modern Ah, uh, conspiracy theories like QAnon—they're um, syncretic. They tend to just take every thing you hear, and like another conspiracy theory will get folded into the larger conspiracy theory, like the flat Earth being a big part of it, even though that wasn't originally the the conspiracy theory. Um,
1: yeah, um, I, and uh, that's the reason why so many so many of them end up being anti-Semitic, uh, because that's like the oldest surviving conspiracy theory that we have. In our culture right. um, and like there's all this framework built on you know um, so if you need to explain you know the earth is flat but and people are covering it up well why are they covering it up and who's covering it up well uh, and you look you know there's all this conspiracy theory about the Jews so like right it's the Jews and you yeah, just exactly. sort of build build on top of that
0: yeah exactly it's, um, it's- it's, yeah. it's It's a it's a reflection of people's desire to see patterns everywhere, and of course they like they've got this brilliant theory. They'll start to integrate everything they hear into it, including other conspiracy theories. So,
1: yeah. I, I don't, since the rise of things like PizzaGate and QAnon, it's just not fun anymore uh, to me. Like all this stuff just became really I don't know um, too real, so to speak. Yeah. Not not the not the aliens themselves, but just so many. It's not just a fringe thing anymore. It's like a, a large section of the population just believes in basically the blood libel, but with a sci-fi twist, but, yeah. which is QAnon. It's just you know the um, uh, a, cabal it... of ancient, uh, a, a cabal of ancient a cabal of world leaders are draining the are kidnapping children and draining their adrenochrome. Uh, right. In, as part of their rituals, it's just the blood libel. I mean, it's yeah. They don't say Jews, but you know, yeah. Mm.
0: Although it is worth noting, I think that QAnon actually doesn't. It, I, I say it's syncretic, but alien abduction is not a big part of that. Um, that I'm aware of. Like, I suppose people are studying it. It's in it. there.
1: Uh, it's not. It's not a big part. Um, but yeah, they like do the- believe in uh, satanic. Uh, forces and things
0: right uh and i mean i i would argue that that's because it's being manipulated in ways that um like it's being manipulated to you know for for use ironically as a conspiracy theory like somebody is shaping it in ways that can be could be useful to certain political powers
1: like it's not to say that the alien stuff uh was free of um these sorts of negative, uh, uh, you know, Im- influences like David Ike. Uh, mm-hmm. We were going to get into David Ike eventually in this episode. Uh, um, I-, I don't believe directly inspired by the uh, Shaver mystery, but definitely of a piece with it. Um, in, like you said, the syncretic idea uh, of taking everything and mixing them all together in this pot. David Icke is the one who uh, popularized the idea of reptilian shape-shifting aliens that um, uh, control our society. Um, it had existed before him, but he sort of brought it into the, the so-called mainstream of conspiracy theory culture. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of anti-Semitism in David Icke's work. Um, uh, to the point where I've seen some people argue that like, he doesn't really believe in the reptilians it just code for the jews i don't think that's true i think he literally believes there are shape-shifting alien energy beings from another dimension with reptilian energy who you know feed off of despair but also that the jews are part of the conspiracy yeah like, i'm not saying he's not anti-semitic he is it's just he also literally believes in the reptilians
0: yeah and again, it's a syncretic thing. It's like, I've got two different explanations for this, so I want to put them both in there, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, like he he will outright say, you know, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion are true, but they're not about Jewish people. They're about the reptilians. Right. So just switch out the names. Mm-hmm. And and then
0: the, the reptilian thing, as we mentioned, may have its origin in that cult story from uh, that we talked about yeah. all the way back in our second episode. So it, it does kind of, you know, obviously we do this podcast and we love this stuff, but you do start to you know start to feel a bit uh despondent that these ideas can get out there into the world and and really do damage unfortunately uh when they when they're used to prey on innocent people but at the same time like I say i mean it is directed it's not i i'd argue up until you know like well i mean like I, the shaver mysteries are from a time when it was just happening sort of organically i don't think I don't think there was a lot of uh you know uh, other than you know Palmer ex- exploiting it for his his magazine, um, it was it, it wasn't like being used to you know for any anything nefarious. But as we started uh, to I see, I mean, there,
1: were, uh, yeah, I think uh, the conspiracy theories of the time that were nefarious, you know, the John Birch stuff and the right again anti-Semitic stuff, which a lot most of the John Birch yeah. stuff was. Um, it didn't have the, the alien component usually, and I believe that was incorporated later by uh, a radio host. Uh, I think Behind the Bastards did a three-parter on him. Uh, I can't remember his name though, but he sort of synthesized a lot of the uh, left-wing conspiracy stuff with right-wing conspiracy stuff, and sort of mashed you know the aliens in with um, you know new world order stuff.
0: Well, and and then in the we mentioned when we talked about the Illuminatus trilogy, um, it's all based on you know the the letters that um, Robert Anton Wilson would get to as the editor of the Playboy. Uh, comment section and all the weird stuff that that would come in there but a lot of people have mentioned that one thing that (laughs) there's a theory again in in and of itself it's a conspiracy theory but the theory that conspiracy theories were uh encouraged in the 60s and 70s by the cia because the cia had literally been experimenting on people and been doing like like things like mk ultra and uh the results of that they they, because they didn't want to come out they wanted to paint Anyone, that you know, they want to put these crazy ideas out in the public sphere, so anyone who said the CIA was experimenting on me will sound like a complete crackpot, but, you know, we do know that happened, (laughs) like, that's actually something that did happen, Uh, and so they did that to just blur the line as much as possible, Um, and then, as I say, when you get into modern stuff with QAnon, it's clearly... Not just being exploited, but directed. Like Q, Q themselves, whoever they were, was probably doing it to uh, to benefit, like the Trump administration, for instance. Um, yeah. So, so um, it's it's not just organically happening anymore. It's being directed and exploited and used by people who who want, you know, they want a cult essentially.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's not entirely like I said. David Ike, he worked with neo Nazis. Like he, he wo- spoke at at Nazi rallies and stuff like he would say he's not a Nazi but um you know they they had a lot of um common interests let's say
0: <laughs> yeah exactly that's uh and 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 white supremacist groups do have a big overlap with this kind of stuff and it, it's uh, you know this people are doing more and more studies uh, on this kind of stuff even in the shaver mysteries you do know like I do have to point out that the Nors are like the the wise great race and they're very white like it's kind of a co- it could just be a coincidence it's like logical within the text um but you know there you can definitely see and maybe we're reading into it backwards from what we know of modern conspiracy theories but you can you can see some like threads of maybe this is like very sublimated racism coming through it's it's hard to say um but the I
1: mean the the the, ter- the darrows are also pinkish so
0: yeah yeah, it, 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 like there's nothing overtly that you can point to and say, "Oh, well, this is obviously," or even as you know, the more popular, as you say, like snake people, obviously being a stand-in for Jewish people, but like it, it's there's still a thread there that you can see being. Like maybe it was either Shaver's racism coming through or maybe at least people might latch on to it and it could start to become because people do talk about like ancient races and bloodlines and stuff in some of this conspiracy stuff. And it does start to get into uh, uh, racially problematic areas, unfortunately. Like even I, I, Blavatsky had some of that
1: um, back he, in the day. Oh, she had a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she was racist. Absolutely. Right. 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 Um, but I, I think from what I can tell with Shaver, um it might not be like overt, hostile racism. It's more like uh he was lived in a racist society, so those ideas influenced how he viewed his cosmology. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's that that's how I would mostly take it as well. I don't think it was I don't I don't think there's although again, there's I mean, some people have argued that any conspiracy theory about a secret group of people has like anti-semitic elements for instance in it because it's so inextricable at this point uh you know i i think you can separate it out but it's true that whenever you start to get into that sphere you you do uh you do start to encounter people who are just as you say they're they're sublimating their racism or their anti-semitism into something you know not more acceptable but like that isn't more overtly uh negative basically In a in a way yeah Uh,
1: like i said in my comics i've I made a conscious choice that i'm I'm not gonna deal with the reptilian stuff but even though I introduced it i'm at this point I don't like even if I was really conscious of um you know pitfalls and stuff you know i'm uh I'm not Jewish and I'm also just not good enough I think to be able to avoid all the uh, uh not good enough as a writer uh and i I'm not sure anybody is to avoid all the uh unfortunate implications. Mm -hmm. or, you know, unintended implications. Uh, I think it's just too tied up in, uh, reptilians in particular, too tied up in anti-Semitic stuff to uh, really uh, work as a science fiction concept in most cases. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, Speaking of science fiction concepts, we haven't mentioned that this is uh, technically a hollow Earth uh, situation. Right, the Shaver mystery because Th- that it,
0: doesn't we, feel like a huge part of the stories to me. I mean, yes, it does have a subterranean uh, elements, but like it's it, as you say, it's just they go underground to avoid the sun. But um, I mean, it's there.
1: Yeah, but uh, I meant because uh, uh, we talked about in an earlier episode the two types of Hollow Earth um, um, cosmology. I guess there's the kind where the the Earth, like the Earth's crust, is just There's nothing inside of it except for a sun in the center and, like, people stand on the inside of it. Um, uh, And it's somehow something people actually believed, but it mostly went into pulp magazines and stuff. This is the other kind, where the Earth's crust is just sort of honeycombed with large caverns, uh, which is more realistic, which isn't to say it is realistic. It's just, you know, a little more possible. (laughs) The Shaver mystery has... Really corny sci-fi names for everything, like we said, Penetray, and you know, yeah. it's a ray that penetrates. So penetre. yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, Th- there's an elep- telog. Uh, yeah. There's a
0: there's an epilepto ray at one point <laughs> that causes convulsions, for instance. Yeah, it's it's not subtle about this stuff.
1: Though I did come across a reference. Apparently, there's a cartel of alien space pirates called the Medieval Illicit. I do like that. Oh,
0: that I missed that one. I I will say he gets into, like, every chapter has extensive footnotes full of technobabble that's just unreadable, like, going on and on about, and again, this seems to be the stuff coming from Shaver himself, but, like, this is how space travel works. You use the electro-augmented solar <laughs> ray to blast the blah 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 and just, like, ugh, it's <laughs> they, they think this is fascinating, Palmer and Shaver <laughs> they think this is a huge part of and I guess some people, it was, it was what was selling uh, the newspaper, or selling the, the pulp novels. Oh, by the way one last little note um, a guy named uh, 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 Fred Crisman wrote in at one point, uh, it, claiming he'd been kidnapped by Darrow's as, a, as an army pilot at one point he'd crashed and then been rescued by Darrow's or something. And he was later, uh, subpoenaed, uh, into in an investigation into the JFK assassination. <laughs> so there's no other there. If you want to bring your conspiracies together, there's a, there's a, there's a great guy to, uh, to do it with. Oh
1: but, God. Uh, uh, JFK Jr. is going to come back and he's going
0: to be a Darrow. I
1: don't
0: know. <laughs> 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 no, he's a Tarot. He's a, he's a good one. Oh, he's yeah, one of the okay. elder ones. Yeah.
1: Uh, Anyway, oh, uh, another thing, apparently uh, um, Shaver, uh, towards the end of his uh, life, um, he still wrote uh, Shaver mystery stuff throughout most of it, but he started becoming obsessed with the idea that um, the elder races left silica books, uh, small pebbles containing uh, information that could be unlocked by ray projectors, um, and that rock cutters could reveal portraits and paintings. So he would right. just like go to the beach and pick up pebbles and try to find information in them. Uh, yeah, and people weren't as interested in this stuff because it do- it doesn't have the weird, I guess, sadomasochistic stuff in it.
0: Yeah, no, it became that was his. Yeah, he he kept writing books about. Uh, yeah, the 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 secret glyphs that were encoded somewhere underground, and he he actually became a somewhat. Like he became, a, I don't want to say he became a geologist, like he was clearly not dealing with like proper science, but he started to know enough to do expeditions and stuff to, uh, and to write about it, which again, he was writing for a very select audience, obviously. Um, but, and some people followed him to that apparently, but yeah, that, that became the, the thing that he focused on in, at the end of his life. Well, our flying saucer is calling, uh, so we'll be heading out. Uh, we are your loyal troglodytes, Adam Prosser and Philip Rice, bidding farewell. Uh, we want to thank our engineer, producer, and host, Alex Ross, for shooting us full of beneficial radiation. Theme song was by genetically engineered master musician with guitars for hands, Jack Fierick. Uh Just a reminder that we both have a Patreon which helps pay for hosting costs and whatnot. Uh, And if you subscribe to either of us, you can listen to this podcast early every time, as well as getting bonus material, cut footage, illustrations and comics, and all the secrets about the conspiracies that rule our brains. Uh, Just go to Patreon and search for Philip Rice with one L, or Adam Prosser with two S's, or you can go to neversleepsnetwork.com slash series slash what-mad-universe for the links. You can follow us on Twitter at HMUPodcast, or Prankster36 for me, or Spear Half A for Philip. Um, and once again, I want to plug uh, heroeslive.tv, which is the uh, movies and comics website I'm editing. We're trying to build that up, so go check it out and subscribe. You can see some cool comics, including the Apex Society and my own work. Um, it's uh, possibly uh, the source of. Uh, it'll protect you from solar radiation. Okay. (laughs) Until next time, just keep out of the sun.